Welcome to another episode of Just Cuz, the podcast where two cousins talk about things they love. Just Cuz. My name is Sasha. My name is Max. And today we are going to be talking about Mission Impossible 7. What's the title again? Uh, it is Dead Reckoning Part 1. I was about to say Rogue Nation, but that is another Mission Impossible <laughs> movie entirely. Okay, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Ominous, isn't it? <laughs> Off the bat, like, we knew this movie was a Part 1. Again, it was announced as a Part 1 a while ago. I was a little worried going in just because of the fact that it was that, and we've gotten so many movies like that recently in, I think, just the past month. Wait, what have the other ones been? Uh, Spider-Verse and Fast and Furious X. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did know about those. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. You know what? I'm going to go, I'm just going to go right out and say it. I have not seen any other Mission Impossible movie ever. All I knew about Mission Impossible was that Tom Cruise likes to run a lot and he does his own stunts. And that's it. And that's a big reason why we're talking about Dead Reckoning Part 1 today. Because I love Mission Impossible, and I've seen every single one many times, except for the second. We'll get into it. <laughs> but I cannot wait to gush about the lore that is in Mission Impossible, just so that you can stare at me and say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but you know what? I really wasn't expecting. I... When going into this movie, I was just like, ugh, I'm seeing this because Max is making me and I don't really care about it. And then I went and I saw it and I freaking loved it. It was so fun. It made me want to watch all of the other Mission Impossible movies. So I will not be staring dead-eyed at you while you talk about them. I am actually interested. Thank goodness you said that. We haven't talked about this movie at all. No. We have kept our opinions very secret. <laughs> yeah, I was worried maybe you wouldn't like it. I mean, there's a, so much to love in this movie, but there's also some things that we'll talk about that maybe, I don't know, could be better. But before we get into the movie or all of the Mission Impossible movies that precede it, I want to talk about the massive, massive cast that is in this movie. Oh my gosh. Because, I oh my goodness. Didn't, okay, have all of those people been in other Mission Impossible movies because I was watching this and I was like, I know that guy, I know that guy, I know this guy, I know freaking everyone in this movie. What the hell's going on? Not everyone who you see has been in this in these movies before. A lot of them have, but there's a boardroom scene with a lot of government officials. If you hear my cat, I meowing, can hear your cat him. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if he keeps on going, I apologize to the listeners. But anyway, there's a boardroom scene and you see the Princess Bride's husband. Yeah, Wesley. And oh my He's, goodness. Um, oh, frick, what's his name? <laughs> uh, Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes, yeah, no. Okay, because my <laughs> first thought was, oh my God, that's Mark Gatiss in the background, not Carrie Elwes. And then I was like, oh my God, that's Carrie Elwes. I was like, my first thought was, oh my God, it's Despero from Psych. And then I was like, wait a second. He's literally Wesley from The Princess Bride. <laughs> he is the Dread Pirate the Roberts. Dread Pirate Roberts. He's excellent. So he's not been in any other Mission Impossible? No. And him, Rob Delaney, uh, Charles Parnell, who's a guy from Maverick and um, Barry, a really good actor. A bunch of really good actors in that scene mm -hmm. who just haven't been in this franchise before. What about Mark Gatiss? Is that uh, Kittredge? No, no, else? that's not Kittredge. Okay. That guy, I know him too, but um, I don't remember what from. But Mark Gatiss is... Um, 
he's the the kind of ginger one with the beard. He was uh, he played Mycroft in Sherlock, and he also co-wrote Sherlock yes. with um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> the guy, the guy, the guy that there's a um, three and a half hour video on YouTube that do- talking Doctor about how Who. Bad he is. Mo- Moffat, Moffat, Stephen yeah, Moffat. Stephen Moffat. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, but there, there's a whole bunch of people in that room. I'm guessing they are there to be big names so that they can be back in part two mm-hmm. because I don't know why else they would be there. But you know what? It didn't need it. It was it was so no. fun. Also, I had no idea that um, Sean, what's his name, was in the series. What's it? Not Sean. Uh, uh, name Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Sean of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, no. My, <laughs> I went Sean of the Dead. <laughs> I knew his last name was Peg, but I was like, Sean Peg doesn't sound right. So I didn't say it. I was trying to think of any of the other Cornetto trilogy names, but Sean is the only one that comes to mind. Oh, oh, his names in those? Yeah, I don't remember. I'm just like, officer guy, drunk guy. Yeah, it's Sean, cop, and then, yeah, Dick, who fights (laughs) off all the robots. But anyway, do you want me to list out the cast? Because there's so many people. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I swear to God, I recognize the girl from somewhere, but I don't know what it's from. So yeah, go list them. There's a bunch of girls that like Tom Cruise in this movie, which is a little weird. Mm, but We'll talk about it. Anyway, we'll about it. <laughs> there's Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa Faust, Haley Atwell as Grace. Okay, her. What yeah, do Hayley I know Atwell. her from? She's, I s- she's Captain America's girlfriend. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. I was like, she looks so familiar in the whole movie. The movie is what two hours and forty eight minutes or something. It's so. <laughs> and you didn't recognize long. her? I absolutely recognized her, but I could not place her while I was watching the movie. Oh. I was like, who the fuck is that? I know her now. I know Peggy Carter. It's Captain Britain or whatever <laughs> version they have Britain. in uh, the MCU. Peggy also, we got Simon Pegg as Benji Dunn, Ving Rames as Luther Stickwell, Palm Clementif as Paris. She was really good. I didn't know that she was going to be in this movie. Yeah. I like her as a no, vicious I, psychopath. <laughs> I knew she was going to be in this movie, but I didn't know she was going to have so little lines, I but know. still have such a presence. Yeah. Like she, she definitely did her job. She showed up to work. Mm. But we also have, I hope I don't pronounce his name wrong, but Ize Morales as Gabriel the Villain. Mm-hmm. Henry Cerny as Kissinger or Kittredge Kissinger I think that's a government real life government <laughs> yeah person. I think so and Vanessa Kirby as Alana and we also have oh my god I almost forgot about him Shay Wiggum as Briggs are also just Captain Stacy in Mission Impossible what who wait who's that I can't I don't he's remember. the government guy who is chasing Tom Cruise the entire oh, movie yeah him okay he also voiced Captain Stacy in Spider-Verse that makes sense Okay, you said Captain Stacy in Mission Impossible, and I was like, what? There wasn't a Captain Stacy. I would have recognized that. Okay, so that guy, Gabriel. At first, I was like, he was he in the other movies? Was he in, like, the first movie? But no. No, no. no. Yeah, it, it's revealed later. Like, it seems like these flashbacks. At first, I thought those flashbacks were legitimately, like, from flashing back to another movie that I haven't seen in this mm. long-ass series. Um, but then I was like, oh, no, these are brand new. Okay, because nobody knows anything about his past. And more on that, am I crazy or is that Rachel Weiss? Maybe. The person who died I in the flashback. I don't know. I was looking at her and I was like, I think they, they tried to cast someone that was as close to Haley Atwell as possible because, mm. or Atwater, whatever her name is. I was like, oh, okay, there's ob- they're obviously going for parallel, a mirror here. Right. 
But then, but then it was the surprise mirror with Ilsa, and that was way better. And I was like, whoa, okay. I mean, better, but also not good. We'll, we'll talk about it. Mm. The point of that scene is a woman died under Ethan's watch. And there's a big part in that movie. As much as I feel weird about it, I did feel the emotional impact of that. Yeah, I mean, at first when I was watching it, I was like, oh my god, of course they're doing the, oh, both of these girls are, both of these girls are girls that, that Ethan loves or might like a little bit, and um, I'm gonna kill one of them, so you have to decide. It was very, like, Yin from season four of Psych or whatever, right? Yes. It was, or any other villain ever, right? I was going to bring up Uncharted later on, but it's such a video game plot that that exact like beat happens in an Uncharted oh, game. Oh, really? The, okay. It's just a video game villain going like, oh, you have to choose which yeah. woman you and love. And I was like, great, these women are disposable objects and one of them will propel Ethan on his hunt for the... Uh, not for the key to stop the world dominating AI, but to kill <laughs> Get this the thing guy, to stop the thing. You know, as you know, as a plot device, as motivation, whatever. Okay, fine. I don't. I wasn't expecting not to have that in a Mission Impossible movie. You hear Mission Impossible, yes. and you're like, okay, I'm sure they're using women as plot devices in that movie. <laughs> but yes. um, it did absolutely have an emotional core and it was set up earlier with the parallels to his um you know former life before he was impossible agent whatever they're called it was it was well set up and then the parallels were thought out pretty well and i was like okay this is part one of the last move of the the last story in this long series of course they're gonna kill the main female love interest <laughs> of course they're going to i knew it right at the beginning because they they sh um i knew she wasn't dead at the beginning when they pretended to kill ilsa i was like obviously we didn't see her die so she's not dead i was like oh she's definitely going to die in this movie <laughs> if you start out a movie with a character's fake death if you start it out that way with an unexplained battle scene that that battle scene does not get explained until later in the film if you start out a scene with a, a movie with an unexplained battle scene and a character fake dying you absolutely know that later that character is actually going to die i wasn't expecting her death at all really so that surprised me mm. yeah i absolutely was because i was like no way they're killing the new the new young hot girl like he she has so much chemistry with him and most of the movie is centered around her they're not going to kill her they're going to keep her for part two so just maybe because i'm not very close to the the series and i don't love ilsa because i don't know anything about her um, so i've definitely had a lot of time to get to know ilsa yeah. and she is great but i want to get into Ilsa and Grace and their characters, but I also want to talk about, I was kind of blinded by Ilsa because I was expecting Benji or Simon Pegg's character to die in this movie. Mm -hmm. I was so sure. And he even gets through some pretty tight scrapes. And I, I think I connected to this idea that Benji was going to die because, and they even kind of do half this where Benji is the face of the AI villain. Because we kind of have Gabriel as that, but I wanted more. And we'll probably see that in some other form in part two. Or maybe we do see Benji as the face of the AI 
after Ben the real life Benji is killed. Oh, that was... But I don't know. I just fixated on that on that idea. No, like okay. So this movie was so stressful. <laughs> when I say I was stressed all the time, and when the AI started using Benji's voice to like. Um, take Ethan to the wrong part of town I was like no I was like sitting in my seat and I was like no oh my god I'm so stressed out right now <laughs> where is he going and every time they use technology I was thinking you you can't trust <laughs> you that guys can't trust it's an AI I, I was like it's it's literally uh it's literally Voltron or whatever what's his name no uh, Ultron not Voltron Ultron it's literally Ultron <laughs> Voltron Summon is a totally Ultron. Different guy. I was thinking Hal, but yeah, Ultron, Hal too. all of the Hal evil robots. Yeah, but Hal was like the one ship, right? Ultron what made a point mm. to be in the internet and be in everything, so that's why I thought of that. And I was like, guys, you can't yes. trust anything. The only thing that would make this AI villain better, because I loved it, would be to give it a voice in the in part two. I liked that it didn't have a voice. I thought it was so ominous and the way that it worked through gabriel and gabriel was like a religious fanatic obsessed with it convinced that it was gonna tell the future like i loved that i was like that is so smart because this ai doesn't have any feelings or emotions it's cold logic and algorithm right and that's what they say multiple times through the movie and the way that gabriel talks about it is all passion and all emotion and it's completely even though he's a cold-blooded killer he talks about it with such devotion and i'm like how did you First of all, like, how did you become the the voice of it? I think, well, I don't know if they said this fully, but they were talking about how Ethan was the only person who wanted to kill the AI and everybody else what wanted to control it. So he's, so the AI is, not he, it is actually scared of Ethan because it thinks that there's one, um, you know, reality in which that does happen. I think he, I, it, I keep saying he, <laughs> I think it handpicked the entity. I think it handpicked Gabriel to be the person um, to go against Ethan. Somewhere there's probably a record of Gabriel killing somebody that Ethan cared about, that girl. And I was mm -hmm. like, that that would be so like 4D chess of the entity to just be like, I picked this guy purely to stop you. I think that would be cool as fuck. I'm pretty sure that's exactly yeah. what the entity did. And may I was going to correct you earlier. Maybe the entity's a she. You don't know. I don't but, think the entity but anyway, has pronouns. <laughs> no. The only kind of hint we get as to what the entity is is that like ominous clicking you hear whenever you see it. Yeah. Or that whatever circle. Well, yeah, I like the circle. I'm sorry. I meant to say it doesn't have gendered pronouns. It does have a pronoun and it's it. We know the English language here at Jessica's. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, but no, I liked the little circle. And when it was at the party, when the the party and there were screens everywhere and I saw it right at the beginning of the party. I was like, oh, is this a party for the entity? And then it was like, oh, the party is the entity. And I was like, that's sick. That's cool. I like That's that. That's awesome. And in my notes, I have Gabriel listed everywhere as white suit because in this meeting, he's wearing the most incredible white suit. Mm -hmm. And I just never got his name. 
I've seen the movie twice now, so I remember it is Gabriel, but just... I just remember him by this white suit that he was wearing I, for no reason. I was absolute. I absolutely thought it was going to have a purpose. I was 100% waiting for Grace specifically to stab him and for there to be blood on his red suit and I'm on his white suit and I'm like you can't you can't have a villain wearing a white suit and not give me the the splotch of blood on his white suit. I you can't do it. I'm like but you know what this is a part 1. Maybe no. it'll happen in part 2. Maybe they're just setting up a pattern here. It's like this guy likes white suits, you know? <laughs> this is his thing. And he's going to get it stained. He's going to be covered in red by the end of it. It's going to be a red suit. So before, again, I keep on teasing this, before we talk about Grace and Ilsa, I also want to mention the spoiler opening credits. Did you know this about Mission Impossible? Where they kind of run through the credits at the beginning and they show you clips of later yeah, on in the movie. Yeah, I saw that. At first I was like, oh, is this, a, is this like a TV show intro from past movies? But then I was like, oh no, there's the key. That's definitely this movie. What's, <laughs> are they just showing us what's going to happen? I definitely saw it. And I was like, oh, they get the whole key at some point. Okay. <laughs> there's a train. I mean, like you... You are right. It is a TV show intro because they did this all the way back in the Mission Impossible TV show from the 60s. Oh, yeah. Where they had, in the intro, they had clips from the very episode. And I think of the Mission Impossible movies, it's the second and third that don't have these spoiler credits, but every other movie does. And I love it every (laughs) single time I see it. I, I just get giddy. I, I just absolutely wasn't expecting it because, like I said, I've never seen one of these before. And it's just started and I was like, oh, there's the music that I've heard all the time. I know the music. There's It's like a little TV show intro. This is so fun. And I was like dancing in my seat. A lot of the time it's where the characters light a fuse and then the fuse runs through all the clips. I don't think it's uh, the case for... Any of the Christopher McQuarrie Mission Impossible movies, maybe Rogue Nation, I'm not sure. But I love when they do that too, like that specifically. But still, this one, it hit, and it hit hard, and I loved it. I was smiling. Okay, so I don't remember if this was around the title sequence or just like, I think it was like right after the title sequence, but it was um, when... There, it was the boardroom meeting, and when Ethan went in there disguised as some other guy. Again, never seen these. Did not know what kind of technology they had. I didn't know that they had face-changing technology. But from the very first second... Okay, I'm not saying this is a bad movie, but it was extremely predictable to me. I was able to predict got almost everything that happened when he when that guy the first shot of that guy and then they showed him walking through the detector and there was a like a green check mark and it went that's him right there that's the guy and i was like that's not him that's ethan i don't i don't know how i knew that i don't know i've never heard of their face changing technology before but i was saying that's not that's not that guy whatever that's someone else (laughs) meanwhile i'm watching the movie knowing full well that ethan is capable of being anyone in that room and when he pulls off that mask and it's tom cruise oh man i my jaw dropped (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny i absolutely found it i was like of course that's Tom Cruise. Who else would it be? I wasn't expecting him to um, knock out everyone in the room with, with toxic gas. I thought that was fun. And then he gives the guy, I thought he was gonna give the guy a note and then vanish. And then it would be revealed that it was him. But no, he just like knocks out everybody. 
<laughs> I thought it was and so then good. I love in that scene where he's leaving the room and he Kittred asks him how how do you plan on getting out of here and then he turns around and he's wearing a mask of, of his of own Kittredge. face. It was so good. Okay, so I saw the movie with my dad and he's seen the other Mission Impossible movies and I haven't. So right before he turned around my, my dad goes uh, and he's like, how do you expect to get out of here? And then he was like, and my dad whispers to me, he's like, as you. And then he turns around and he's wearing his face. And I was like, oh, damn, that's so good. There's a lot of moments in this franchise, but even in this movie, where actors are playing other actors playing them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it is always so good. I... There's a moment where... Philip Seymour Hoffman in the third Mission Impossible is playing Tom Cruise playing Philip <laughs> Seymour Hoffman. And I think that's the best case of it, but it's always fun I to watch. I love when that happens. That happens in, you know, tons of sci-fi fantasy media. And it's mm. always so fun to see because it's, it really lets you see an actor's chops. Like the best one that example I can think of is in Deathly Hallows Part 2 where Helena Bonham Carter is Carter is playing Emma Watson playing Hermione playing Bellatrix Lestrange and it's so good There's so many levels and like, you you look at her and I thought this a million times I looked at her and that is Helena Bonham Carter playing her but I was convinced that's Emma Watson in makeup that is not Helena Bonham Carter because she acts just so much like her and I mean I don't know any of these actors in Mission Impossible well enough when when that white-haired guy i don't know who he was but he was standing there and i was like that he's giving tom cruise energy <laughs> like he's just standing there <laughs> like tom cruise i don't know how i know that but it's just that's what it is i want to say vanessa kirby in this movie especially just shines when she's i don't know she gives this eyebrow raise and it's so subtle, but it looks so much like Haley Atwell. Yeah, she was the blonde one, right? Yeah. She No, she was really good at pretending to be Grace, right? Yeah. I was like pretending to be Grace, pretending to be her. I was like, that's so good. Yeah, no, that, that was so much fun to watch. She's been in other Mission Impossibles, right? Yeah, she was in uh, the last okay. one. Which was Mission Impossible. That's what Fallout. I thought. I was like, she it, it's giving like she was in the last one. And she's a kid of a character who's from like the first movie. Yeah. Which is super unimportant, but I figured that out recently, yeah. so I had to well, say Well, they I mean, they said, um Kittredge said, you know, like your mother it kept your mother safe in jail or something. I was like, Oh, there's a story there. That's interesting. It's like your family mm. empire or something. I was like, Oh, okay. It made me want to watch all the other ones. I was like, damn, I really wasn't expecting to like it. <laughs> I was like, it's gonna be a basic action movie. I whatever. And it was so fun. I mean, there's plenty more to talk about, especially with the third act and ending of this movie. But if there's nothing else, I want to talk about Grace and Ilsa. Do it. And maybe consolidating them into one character. Because I'm not sure why Grace was introduced in this movie. I am. I mean, I know. <laughs> I It's to be a damsel in distress. But other than that, why was she introduced? Okay. I don't know Ilsa's history, but from what I gathered from this movie, Ilsa could take care of herself, was a um, talented spy in her own right, and didn't necessarily need Ethan around, right? Yes, to all three. So since this is the 
the setup to the last movie in the series. I'm assuming, first of all, they wanted the, um, you know, flirtatious relationship with the new young hot spy who's who's got a special talent. She's a really good thief and pickpocketer, right? And magician. And they wanted to set up a replacement for him. I don't think he's going to die. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the series. But maybe he'll die. Maybe he'll retire. And she'll take over for him. Or maybe the it'll end ambiguously. But he's already, like, offered her the choice at the end of this movie. It ends with the narration from Kittredge, you know, talking about how, oh, you've only you know, bought her time. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously time until the next movie. <laughs> and I don't know that just, it, it seemed pretty obvious to me. It, like the people who have been in this series for a long time are not going to be the replacements. And if they, if they want this series to somehow live on or at least live on in other media or just in the minds of the viewer then they have to train a replacement a tom cruise replacement maybe it's Haley atwater maybe she is finally gonna be a superhero i don't know or maybe it's just gonna end with her taking over so funny story by the fourth mission impossible movie the studios weren't really sure if tom cruise was still gonna be like a viable movie star because of the whole scientology thing right yes yeah it was because he's a weirdo love tom cruise but he's a weirdo he does all his own stunts but, which is cool but he's a scientologist yeah. i love seeing him hurt himself on screen <laughs> but anyway they brought in jeremy renner into this franchise because he was supposed to replace tom cruise mm. and jeremy renner's kind of left the franchise i think he's gonna come back in the next movie because he's you know still alive if he if he can. Yeah, if he's not busy being an Avenger. No, no. He, he's, like, very injured. Oh, yeah, the snowmobile <laughs> yeah. accident. I think he's okay now. I hope so. Right, but, like, is he okay enough to do an action movie? I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope so. Yeah. Get better, Jeremy. We love you, Jeremy. I want to see you out there. <laughs> we want to hear your music. And your app. More of your music and your app. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm not sure if maybe the movie could have been shorter if the grace was taken out but then again we don't really get that emotional impact of ethan saving her in the final act i mean I, I don't know i don't obviously you couldn't do this because she's a recurring character from other movies but i think if anyone could have been taken out it would be ilsa and ilsa's storyline yeah. i don't think it was necessary but they wanted to kill her off which is fine you know this is you're wrapping up a series you got to kill off some women. You got to fridge some women. That's just how it happens, right? That's just the way the cookie crumbles. That's what story writers got to do. Exactly. Get a fridge, put her in there. But I thought Grace was really cool. And, you know, they build up their relationship, Ian, uh, Ian, Ethan and Grace's relationship through the whole movie and them, their teamwork, their trust, obviously comes you know at the end but their teamwork keeps going like at first they're in the airport and they have to do this thing together but she runs off and then it's like that but more when they're handcuffed together doing that whole chase and then again she runs off she runs off a lot but at the very end when they are trying to stop the train that's when their teamwork like comes to its full fruition and is like at the best like it's when they're 
trying to unhook the the train car and they're like using one foot one foot i was i literally turned to my dad and i was like it's like at the beginning when they were handcuffed together teamwork makes the dream work <laughs> i'm getting ahead of myself but that train ending oh my god i loved so it so good. so so much mm. Oh, talk about anxiety. Talk about being anxious during a movie. I was anxious that whole time. I was like, oh my God, they're falling. Oh, they're falling again. It's <laughs> just like each train car. And they're jumping from yeah. one yeah, one car to the other. One falling train car to another falling train car. And I was like, damn, they can't catch a break. I teased that I was going to talk about Uncharted earlier, but that is literally the ending of Uncharted 2, or better yet, Uncharted Lost Legacy. If you're hearing this and you're wondering, I've heard about this Uncharted video game and I want to play it and you somehow have access to a video game console, play Uncharted Lost Legacy. It's like half the length of any other Uncharted game and it's half the price. Go play it, it's fun. But there, it's just jumping off of a train as it's falling down a cliff is so video game yeah. but seeing tom cruise do it oh my no, god No, i was watching it and i was like it looked like it was designed to be a video game but in the good way and not the bad way that is the end of attack of the clones like <laughs> it was it was like really good i was like this would be an awesome video game level and so would so would the um Ilsa Grace Gabriel fight I was like I don't know why but to me that screamed the end of The Last of Us Part 2 I don't know why I was like this is a, it's it's so fun it's so terrible but it's fun yeah no what you just said Uncharted 2 and Uncharted 4 go play it you can play both of those things I don't know why this just became an Uncharted You're podcast like Uncharted. let's get back to Mission Impossible <laughs> I as you can tell I like Uncharted <laughs> But anyway, so I love how the villain gets this con scream where he screams, Ethan! Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Wait, which... That, I don't know why Gabriel he got it. That? Yeah, Gabriel gets that as... In the, in the truck? It's like, when he falls in the truck off the train? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. I loved that so much. Oh my gosh, wait. Who's the guy who plays the... The... The friend, uh, not the friend, <laughs> the like assistant of the guy who's chasing Ethan, the government guy who's chasing Ethan. Like, I don't know his name. I don't know. The black yeah, guy? Yeah, the whole time I was calling him Lad. I was like, I like this Lad. I don't know why I was calling him that, but I didn't know his name. Uh <laughs> I feel bad. He's the one actor in this movie who I didn't write down the name oh. of, but he was great. I liked at the end, he was, he was like, started to question authority, which I love. Always question authority. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, what if they have a good You reason? hear that, listeners? Yeah. Meow. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I heard. I heard a cat. Um, yeah, question authority. Meow. Um, <laughs> and he was like, what if they have like a really good reason because nobody should have this kind of power. Maybe that's what Ethan's trying to stop. And I'm like, yes, lad. Think it through. Don't just blindly follow orders. I love how Lad was always just like, yeah, this guy's always going rogue, but he, like, there must be a good reason. And then the guy who he's answering to always checking people for masks. I also love that <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot. so funny. He went up to everyone and, like, pinched their face and tried to pull it off to see if it was a mask. That was so good. I was like, yeah, oh. if you live in a world where anyone can disguise themselves as anyone, you got to pinch some faces. <laughs> uh, I would be checking everyone's face Scooby-Doo style. <laughs> you know that. Yes, absolutely. 
And then you pull off the mask and you go, Mr. Brenner, or whatever. <laughs> whatever and I would have done it too if it wasn't for you and your meddling dog or whatever Ethan they say. Hunt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't think of too much to say other than the, and I use this term very loosely, the plot of the movie. Because the plot really is just an excuse for Tom Cruise to do one crazy thing after another. The big thing in this movie was the motorcycle jump, but... No, but like my roommate loves Mission Impossible and she was like, he actually jumped off a mountain. She was saying that for weeks before the movie came out. No, it was great. There's a lot of running. I already knew this about Tom Cruise because I've seen other Tom Cruise movies, but he runs in all of them. Just like, just like, um... Yes. Oh, what's his fucking name? Forrest Gump, what's his fucking name? We're staring... <laughs> We're staring into each other's eyes, oh, trying to think of... Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, yeah. Just like Tom <laughs> Hanks pees in all of his movies, which is weird. Um, <laughs> Tom Cruise runs I never knew that. in all of his I'm movies. I'm thinking. I don't know if it's all of them, but it's most of them, and it's weird. Um, I gotta double check that. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Cruise runs a lot, and I was like, how long do you think a compilation of all of Tom Cruise running throughout just the Mission Impossibles. Like, he runs a goddamn lot in this movie. Without looking that up, I can tell you with certainty that that exists. Yeah, I'm sure it absolutely exists. And I'm sure it's no less than 45 minutes long. It, he runs a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, they yes. have so many different shots of him running and they're all long shots with at his face in it at least so he's running all of those shots or they do like those long those long pullback ones and i'm like yeah mm -hmm. he's we know he's doing it and he keeps on running he's like he, <laughs> i don't know what to say he's doing he's it tom cruise you know and in this movie they subvert that by making Tom Cruise run in circles because the AI is pointing him in yeah, directions. Yeah, no, that was fun. I, I loved that. It. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely terrifying, but I liked it. I was like, no, you can't trust anything. But yeah, Tom Cruise always runs. I don't know what how he is in other Mission Impossibles, but he was so snarky in this, and I loved it. I was like, he's so funny. Um when they don't tell him about the the nuclear bomb in the or the fake nuclear bomb in the airport, he's like, "What? Just tell me. A nuclear bomb is always something to just tell me about." <laughs> and when he's in the car with Grace in the car chase, like he just gets so exasperated in their little yellow car, and he's like, "You know, just sometimes the way that they set up these cars it just really bugs me." And I'm like, "You're being chased by four different people. You need to go." And he's just complaining about this car, and I loved it. It was excellent. You know what that scene was? And you just reminded me of it because I forgot about that humorous <laughs> moment. But it was Tom Cruise saying, "I promise this never." Yeah, to me. I was like, I was sitting there and I was like, this feels more like Tom Cruise, the actor, being upset with something rather than Ethan Hunt being upset with something. It just felt like so real. And I was like, that is hilarious. Because, yeah, we say Ethan Hunt, but when I'm watching the character on screen, I'm thinking that Tom Cruise is doing this 100% of the time, mm -hmm. which is what this franchise is. And with that, I guess we can get into what these movies are yeah. sure there's plot in it sure there's characters but it is about big stunts every movie has a big thing that happens this movie was the motorcycle stunt and that wasn't even the biggest thing that happened i'm not gonna lie i liked it i i'm a simple girl 
car chases and explosions and this had a lot of those things so i was good i was mm -hmm. enjoying myself oh yeah i work very similarly i see something go boom and i smile yeah. <laughs> i mean the way that tom cruise is just an absolute animal i think you probably know this story but i'll say it more for the listeners of how christian bale based his you know portrayal of the character in american psycho off of tom yeah, cruise I know. <laughs> The way that he's always smiling and having fun, but his dead eyes behind him, I think he has a death wish because he constantly is one-upping himself on screen. And like, like I said, even the motorcycle jump where he jumps off of a cliff and then, you know, leaps off of the motorcycle that he's riding mm -hmm. and then parachutes away. Yeah. It's so insane. And I, I love to see it. It's the reason why I went to the yeah. movie. No, because it's it's always fun to just watch it and then also try and figure out which stunts he was actually doing and which stunts he wasn't doing. Because at first, I legitimately hmm. thought he Tom Cruise has a death wish. He's going to get on top of a moving train. But I was like, no, but the other actors aren't going to. And then they started framing them just from like the waist up and not showing their feet on the train. And I was like, okay, they're obviously not on the train. But I, I feel like that's exactly something that Tom Cruise would do. 100%. I think there's behind the scenes of them actually crashing a train. So they actually did that. Nice. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of this was practical. Even all the car stuff, that was all real. And it's the yeah. same reason why we go to see John Wick, because he's actually in there driving yeah. the car. No, it's super fun. I mean, it gives me a lot of anxiety with all the property damage, but <laughs> I've already talked about how this movie gives me anxiety. So I, I was still enjoying myself despite that. I don't know, just like... <laughs> When Grace was trying to drive in the car chase, I was like, well, she's not been trained for a tactical pr uh, driving pursuit. She just crashes into all those motorcycles, and it was so funny. I loved it. And then she's like, nope, I'm not doing this. You drive. Yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot to say, I also think that the entity handpicked Grace because Grace was hired by the entity. I think the entity handpicked Grace because she looked like the girl that Gabriel killed. I think that is in my head canon. Oh, I like that. I like that a because lot. Because she looks exactly we'll, like her. We'll also get into it as we talk about the other movies, but Ethan is married. What? And well, estranged, he was married, and Grace also looks identical to his estranged wife, just kind of brown hair. Wait, is his wife you know that kind is of is his wife not the girl who died? No, his wife is Michelle Monaghan. Okay. I don't know who that is. Oh, yeah, you know, I I'm I'm going to watch the other movies. <laughs> I'm going yes. to now because you, I'm you'll invested get it after you watch all the um, movies. And in fact, with that said, let's get into all of the movies. Yeah. Do you want me to just list them? Because I have all of that kind of lined up. Just list them for me and tell me your initial thoughts, but don't spoil them for me. Or not initial thoughts, but like, okay. tell me what you want to say, but also don't spoil them because I'm going to watch them now. I'll give you the number, the director, and the vibe. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. So the first one is directed by Brian De Palma, and it is just a spy thriller. Mm -hmm. Like, think Winter Soldier. Like, Love it's that. You can't trust anyone, and everyone could be wearing a mask. It's that kind of movie. Nice, nice. I love those. Like Secret Invasion, but mm. more interesting. I don't know. I have. I only watched like the first three episodes of Secret Invasion, and I got bored. 
Yeah, side tangent, I I watched the fourth episode recently, and I've kind of fallen off that bandwagon. I feel bad. I'm still going to finish it, but I don't know. But, like, I felt, ugh, I was, like, I was looking forward to it because I love those kinds of things. I love, like, anyone could be anyone, the thriller of it, but it's just not delivering, and it's unfortunate. No. No, it is really unfortunate. Hopefully it follows through in the end. But... Moving on to the second movie, which is universally seen as the worst, which is directed by John Woo, who's uh, most well-known as directing Hard Boiled, which is, I believe, uh, an Asian action movie. I was about to say Chinese or Japanese, but it's one of the two. Hmm. Maybe it's not even one of the two. I probably just... (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) it's fun, but you don't have to watch that. Skip it. No, I'm going to watch it. Okay, have fun I, with I it. have, if I'm going to watch a series, I have to commit. I watch even the bad stuff. I have to, I have to, or else my brain will scream at me. You know what, they'll probably tie back to it, because there's a lot of ties to the first movie in the most recent Dead Reckoning Part 1. Mainly the final act of the first movie takes place on a train, similar oh, to this movie. Yeah, moving on to the third movie, which is directed by J.J. Abrams. What are the names of these movies? Know. Wait, J.J. Abrams? Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. They only get names starting at the fourth. Oh, they're just Mission Impossible 1, 2, 3. Yeah, it's just 1, 2, 3. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. And the third one, wait, wait, hold I on. believe... I never told you this. I met J.J. Abrams. You did? I met him... Okay, you gotta talk about I met about him very now. briefly. <laughs> very briefly. Um, I went to a screening um, for a documentary that was... Ooh, I don't remember, but it was like... It was like um, a restaurant in a small town and it was during the pandemic and it was run by a um an interracial family and it was really it was a really good documentary and he was there to present the documentary and um we got there late and we couldn't we couldn't get to our seats so we had to stand in the crowded um little hallway of people that were about to go on stage and i stood right next to jj abrams and i was like pressed up against him i was like i i was like hi (laughs) just because it was like a little tiny space and i was like i have to wait to get to my seat (laughs) oh yeah i would have to say at least hello to yeah no i said hello i was like hey how's it going he was like good how are you and i was like good (laughs) i was like i just met jj abrams it was great Anyway, didn't love Rise of Skywalker, but still I love your didn't work, say Mister. that to him. Obviously, I was thinking it. <laughs> Obviously, I was thinking it. But, <laughs> but yeah, I love this third one. I I think I just have a soft spot for it because it has Philip Seymour Hoffman as the villain, and he kills it as he always does. He's great. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. I just rewatched the um, <laughs> Hunger Games, uh, Catching Fire. And he's in that, and it's so funny because he absolutely doesn't need to be in it. Like, it, his role does not require Philip Seymour Hoffman, but he's just, he just has so much gravitas. I love him. Anyway, keep mm-hmm. going. This third movie is the one that introduces Ethan's wife, who is dropped later on, because Ethan has kind of, like, dropped the whole spy thing, and now he's living a suburban life, but then he's got to get back into the fold. Uh-huh. Get back in the biz. I, I don't want to spoil it too much because, again, you're going to watch yeah. it. Maybe listeners Wait, out there Wait, okay, haven't... so his relationship with Ilsa, what's that? If that's not the romantic through line of the series. See, we'll get into okay. it. 
Moving on to the fourth movie. Again, I have a very soft spot for this movie because it is the, I believe, first live-action movie directed by Brad Bird, who you might know as directing some fantastic animated movies. I know uh, Brad Otherwise known as Incredibles yeah. and Iron Giant. I freaking love Brad Bird movies. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Which number was this again? Fourth. This is the one where he, oh, okay. uh, Tom Cruise climbs on the Burj Khalifa. The what? The tallest building in the oh, world. Oh, okay. I saw a video of that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Nice. Okay. I love Brad Bird. That's crazy. I didn't know he directed one of these. I can't even tell you the vibe of it because it's just... It feels more like a Bond movie. And again, these all are pretty much Bond movies. But this one especially, this is where it starts, where the movie's all about the big set piece, where Tom Cruise actually goes outside the Burj Khalifa, the biggest building in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what the movie was sold on. And then moving on to the fifth movie, which is... Sorry, I never said the subtitle. The fourth movie is Ghost Protocol. Not that it matters. Okay, that's what that's from. I know the meme of like ghost protocol, like just like calling anything <laughs> ghost protocol. I don't know why. It's like something to electric boogaloo, right? And people would call like <laughs> any fourth thing ghost protocol. Yes, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. But the fifth, sixth, and seventh movie, and I guess on from that, maybe just Dead Reckoning Part 2, has all been directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. Which is a little weird because, as you've probably noticed, every movie is directed by someone new with a completely different vibe. But here on out, the movies pretty much all feel the same. And it's always a movie, but not really because it's just a big thing to sell a stunt. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, I'm not saying is a bad thing. It's the reason why I even like Tom Cruise, Mm -hmm. because he's a Scientologist... I was going to say... You like him because he's a Scientologist? I, I don't want to be too mean. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say he's he pushes Scientology on people, and I don't like that. Yeah. But I love seeing Tom Cruise on screen because he's charismatic, and he loves to just push himself to the breaking point. Yeah, he's a good actor. We don't have to agree with his personal life or his religious beliefs. No. <laughs> I don't be- I don't agree with lots of actors' religious beliefs. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to get <laughs> no. into it. But the fifth movie is called Rogue Nation. The sixth is Fallout, and the seventh is the one we're reviewing, Dead Reckoning Part One. Dead Reckoning Part One. <laughs> yeah, I mean they sound rad. I'm excited to see them. I I never thought I would say this b- because I never was interested in Mission Impossible. Uh, but I I want to watch them all. Um, okay. Mm. I have a question. So I would categorize, you know, these, uh, the Mission Impossibles, the James Bonds and the John Wicks as, you know, a similar type of series of movies, right? I think you would put extraction in there too. Okay. I haven't, I haven't seen the two extractions. Um, but which, um, which, which of those do you prefer? Like, what is your favorite mm. series of spy thriller out of those oh, three? God. Don't put in extraction in there because there's only two and I haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, it's always a different mood, isn't it? Because I love Bond, just classic Bond, even Daniel Craig Bond. But I also love when they switch it up. You know, I love Mission Impossible and I could even add Tenet onto that list because that's basically a Bond movie. Tenet's fun, but Tenet's a whole different ball game. It's very Honestly, we could have an episode on Tenet. Yeah, I think we should at some point because I got to rewatch that thing. But like, I'm purely talking about like long running series 
the spy mm. thrillers that star, you know, one guy who's amazing. Obviously, James Bond has a rotating character, but it's it's one yeah. guy, right? He's James Bond. I, I'd have to think about that. <laughs> I don't know. Because, I mean, my immediate answer is Bond. It's the obvious okay. one. But I, I guarantee you I will stop recording this and I'll think of something else. <laughs> or next week I'm going to come on air and I'm going to be like, no, 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 it's no, this. No, no, it's John Wick. But no, no, right no, now it's, it's Bond. Bond. No, 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 it's Mission Impossible. Because, yeah, I, I like seeing John Wick because, you know, Keanu Reeves is doing Keanu crazy Reeves stunts. So I like fun. seeing Tom Cruise I like it when he's with stuff. puppies. <laughs> yes. Keanu Reeves just an excellent human being he's just he's just very wholesome person anyway yeah i don't know you're gonna hate me but i really liked this movie i okay i had way more fun watching this movie than i have watching any of the modern bond movies <laughs> the bond movies tend i am kind of glad i i don't know yeah. why i i can't argue with that i love some like Casino Royale and Skyfall and No Time to Die, I think are pretty excellent, but I can't argue with they are yeah. somewhat boring. Well, I just love Max Mickelson. I can't. <laughs> I do love <laughs> the Casino Royale, but yeah, I was I was so much more enthralled and interested in this. And I, you know, I said that I had anxiety, but like that showed that I was into it. I was paying attention. I was I was on board with everything they were doing, and I don't feel that when I'm watching the bond movies no so i think this is a perfect time to bring up this quote because i have it written down in my notes and it's a quote from christopher mcquarrie the director of the movie and it goes build character through action screw the plot plot is merely why things happen characters why i give a shit that it's happening i agree with that i mean there um, are some people who are gonna say you know plot is everything but if I don't care about the characters, I don't care what they're doing. I fully agree mm. with that. I care way more about making my characters understood or having the characters be understood than having the best plot in the world. You know, this plot in this movie, it's a fucking MacGuffin fetch. It's a fetch quest. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's go get this thing and... Then you save the world, or you're close to save the world. Yeah, it's people getting a thing to stop a thing. It's like, find this key to find this guy who knows where the other key is, to find the other key, to find the thing that unlocks, that the key unlocks, because we don't know where that is. Yes. It's, it's literally a fetch quest. So, and lots of fun movies are fetch quests. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. not ashamed to like those. I think they're fun. If no, they're some done of the right. most fun movies are. Exactly. They're and I'd even right. argue that character isn't even the most important thing necessarily. I would say it's the character's immediate goal, like not their long term whole plot summary goal. Just in that scene, what are they trying to get? And if the audience knows what they're trying to get, then they're gripped in that scene. And I'd argue every scene you're gripped in because you know the character's immediate goal. I agree with that. But I also think, you know, I've, I don't know these characters in long form. I met them this movie. And still, I was immediately connected to Ethan, Benji. What was, what was the other guy's name? Luther. Because he gave a, he gave a different name at first, and so I was calling him by Phineas that. Freak. Yeah, I was calling him Phineas for like half the movie, and then he said his, and then like Grace asked his name at the end, and he was like Luther, and I was like, wait, what? I've been calling you Phineas the whole time. Anyway, uh, 
So I was immediately, when I first saw them on screen, I understood their dynamics. I understood um, what they wanted. And, you know, Grace was obviously a new character. She was very well done. I understood her. Ilsa, obviously not as well. I, I didn't understand her as well, and she had less reason to be there. Uh, but she was still interesting, and I was like, I want to see her, like, what they've had before this, how she was before in other movies. And I understood, I understood the villains, and I understood them as characters. And like you said, I understood what they wanted in the scene, but it's really good to be able to just jump into the seventh movie in the series and get everything just like just like that. Honestly, I was really worried that you weren't going to get it. <laughs> Me too. But no. <laughs> Me too. My, my co-worker, I told him that I was doing this and he was like, what? You're going to see the seventh movie and you haven't seen any other ones? You're not going to understand a thing. But I did. Not just that, yeah, a part one yeah, part to one an ending yeah. that you don't ha you that's, haven't seen anything that's else. That's how about. I found out it was a part one because he said that. He was like, this is a part one to the last story of the series. And I was like, And I'm sure there will be more Mission Impossible afterwards. But yeah, this is like the culmination of, I believe, Tom Cruise's Mission mm -hmm. Impossible. I think it's good to know when to end things. <laughs> Yes, because Tom Cruise, you're getting he's old. He's not buddy. getting any younger, and you know, you don't want to have something that just goes on forever and has a bunch of terrible entries. You know. Well, especially since he has to one up himself every movie, which I guess is a great segue in. What do you think is going to happen in part? Two? I think he's going to um, go to space and jump. Yep, I, jump, that was that was my jump theory. into the atmosphere and fall down to Earth. I think. I want the entire movie to take place in space, <laughs> but I'm sure it'll just be one or two no, scenes. No, hopefully the I third think act. he might try to free dive down to the bottom of the ocean to the submarine because that's so fucking dangerous. Um, as we all know, after, that has to be after in the movie. whatever this submarine gate that just occurred, we all know that there's too much pressure down there and you are not going to be okay, but I think he's going to attempt it. at least something in mm. the ocean because they made a big point about how that submarine is lost. Obviously, he's going to jump off of something. Maybe he'll climb Mount Everest. Who fucking knows? <laughs> Maybe he'll skydive off of Mount Everest. <laughs> no, he's too close. He's got to get away from the freaking mountain. <laughs> that was great. Oh, just little moments to endear you to Tom Cruise. I'm sure for people like me who just went into the movie not liking Tom Cruise or just not really wanting to see him on screen... But then you just see him crack wise before he's about to do this insanely deadly thing. And you're like, ah, I don't want to see him die, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't like, honestly, I've not seen enough of Tom Cruise to not like him. I know that he pushes his religious beliefs onto people. And I know that he believes in some things that aren't great, but I don't know enough about him to dislike him uh he's not been at the center of any major scandals that i know of so i was just like yeah whatever he's he's a weird dude but he he's a good actor he makes a fun movie and that's at mm. the end of the day that's all i care about and i'm probably being too harsh you know wanting people to believe in zenith isn't the worst <laughs> thing in the world so oh my gosh wait what what's his name the guy who founded 
Scientology? Hubbard? L. Ron? I found his yeah. book. I found his book at my store. What? I, was, I work in a bookstore, and I was putting away books, and I found his goddamn science fiction book. And I was like, oh my god, this is the, this is the Scientology guy. It was so funny. I was like... You're gonna read I'm it. Not- and you're gonna just gonna be a Scientologist, guys. Next episode, we're all gonna talk about Zenith and how he can fix your life. <laughs> I'm gonna give you some kind of code, just like help me. <laughs> Morse code on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear that? Yeah, that's my cat again. I can't think of too much else to say. Um, I I do have a note. I think the hand-to-hand fighting isn't as good with Tom Cruise. Even in the last movie, Fallout, it was a little bit better. Again, Tom Cruise is getting old. He's got one more movie in him. Mm. And then maybe he should hang up those Scientology capes. I don't don't know. I didn't notice. But I haven't seen the other ones where he's apparently really good at hand-to-hand combat. So I don't know. But... I did. He skydived. He, I mean, like he parachutes a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I was wondering. I was like, how many times has he skydived? Like, as a person, like, unless you're a skydiving fanatic, people don't, people don't skydive that ma- very often, you know. And I was like, how many times do you think Tom Cruise has skydived? Not just for a movie, just like because he's a freak and he wants to fall out of the sky. <laughs> Not a freak. If you like skydiving, you're not a freak. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Only Honestly, Tom I want to go skydiving. I've never been, but that sounds great. There is a lot of behind the scenes of Dead Reckoning Part 1 where you can like see Tom Cruise, you know, making sure that he's safe and experts are checking with him. And then they talk to the experts and they're saying like, people usually get a hundred tries to like get this one thing right and Tom Cruise just gets it. So I'm assuming... He has skydived before. I'm assuming he's done everything yeah. before. I mean, Dude hasn't knows he how done it in other movies? Didn't he jump off a giant building once? Yeah, I think it, it happened in three, but I'm pretty sure that was CG. Mm. I'm oh, sure well. we'll see Tom Cruise jump off something again at one point or another. If it's not in Mission Impossible, he's going to jump off of something and just film the whole way down. And that's going to be in a movie. <laughs> that kind of happened in this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh Anyway, I think I think we are just about done. So yeah, Mission Impossible, fun, new experience for me. I enjoyed it. And with that, that has been an Evil Knievel podcast. What?